Hi, I'm Jacqueline Cutler, and welcome to my podcast. I love to dive deep into subjects where I read and watch all I can before interviewing someone. That approach has served me well over a long career that has taken me from covering cops in my native New York City to interviewing television stars. Along the way, I've listened to thousands, hitched a ride on the back of a Harley with dykes and bikes, sung Springsteen with a Berber as we drove in the Sahara, and been pushed around by an elephant in Kenya. I speak a few languages, read and watch too much, and love ballet and baseball, specifically the Yankees. A deep dive seems quite fitting for my first interview subject, Dr. James Sulikowski, a shark expert from Arizona State University. Yes, being a shark expert in a landlocked state surprised me also. Please join us as we discuss his quest to insert an intrauterine device into a shark. Yep, you heard that correctly. Welcome. Hi, James. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, and thank you so much for doing this on a holiday weekend. Um, I've watched I've watched the show, and I'm delighted to speak with you for um, a podcast for Media Village. And I just want to jump right in because I'm still trying to figure out what would motivate someone to try and put a device in a shark's uterus at night. So let's let's just start yeah yeah pretty crazy stuff huh (laughs) i was thinking that myself uh when i was surrounded by sharks you know what i mean so it's uh scary exhilarating but in the end what we really want to do is is take research to the next level right and always be evolving and changing so that um you know we're not only learning more about species but also how to protect and sort of manage them, and um, it can be, it can be pretty scary sometimes. Well, let's let's talk about what you're doing and why. So, I just want to go back a bit and talk about why it's important to do this research and why it's important to know where sharks give birth. Right. You know, that's sort of been our holy grail of shark science is to determine where these things, where these births take place. Because for a lot of species that are really mobile, they move around. Um, a lot of them are hard to catch or, or sporadic in their, in their areas in which they're located. So it gives us an opportunity to, to study an aspect that has gone unstudied for literally forever. And so it's exciting to be part of that um, for sure. And we want to know that because climates are changing, um, because urbanization is sort of taking place. And so these habitats that have normally been very safe for sharks, um, sharks are all like us. Um, and, and you can think of moms and dads that work, they drop their sibling, their, their kids off at, um, at nurseries, right? Mm-hmm. And daycare. And so sharks look for places very similar. They're safe, you know, lots of food, not a lot of predators. Uh, and we need to figure out where those areas are so that we can kind of leave them be um, and allow sharks to be sharks. Well, I wanna go back on one word you just used here when you said predators for sharks, because 
I don't know what a shark's predator would be since they're the apex predators. I know. Yeah. And any, so that's a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around when they think about what a shark, you know, their role is in the ecosystem, but really baby sharks are food for, for larger sharks sure. uh, and, and larger things. So um, they have to be in an area that's going to allow them to sort of survive and grow up. Um, so that they can become the apex predator that keeps our oceans clean um, and does the things that that we need them to do. And so I think that one of the concepts that's really hard for people to wrap their heads around too is that sharks are moms, right? I mean, sharks are moms. They oh, are, nice. you know, and they carry their babies around. A lot of species carry their babies around. They protect them. They look for great areas to give birth. And typically because of climate change, those areas are moving they're evolving, right? And we have to make sure that we are prepared to protect those areas for yeah. sharks. Now, is your specialty tiger sharks? So my special—that's one of the species that we focus on—is tiger sharks. Um, and I've been collaborating with another colleague of mine who's on the show, uh, Neil Hammerschlag, for over ten years now on that species, and it's a wonderful species to to be studying. But we do other and other sharks as well. Um, poor beagles, bull sharks, getting into some white shark work. So it's very exciting. Um, and a lot of those are individuals that we really you know, don't know anything about when it comes to reproduction, birth, gestation, how long you know, they carry their youngs, where they go to give birth. And so it's um, an evolving science for sure. Let's, let's take a couple of steps back for a moment. and. That is, I understand that you're at Arizona State. Is that correct? That is now, correct. <laughs> right. Well, you are wearing that big ASU sweatshirt in the special. That's um, true. And I can't say that I would immediately associate marine biology and Arizona. So can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be? Yeah, no, it's, uh, that's a question everybody has. The running joke is, you know, where's the desert shark? <laughs> Right, with the desert shark. So, you know, Arizona State is a uh, a unique university. I mean, it's number one in innovation, um, and so it's a great spot to sort of innovate. Um, and it's a it's a great spot because we're close to the Sea of Cortez. Um, it's only about a three hour drive, um, and there's a lot of really cool things that are going on there. But also, it puts us in a location where we can get to other areas, such as. New England or the Bahamas. It's a great sort of platform for us to go to these areas. And because Arizona State is so engaged in research uh, and innovation, um, you know, if I could, you know, study sharks in the desert anywhere, it would have to be at Arizona State. So kind of molded together. Is, and this is slightly off, but it's still with sharks, um, or at least with, with ecology, is the Sea of Cortez role that Paquita research was going on? You know, that's a great question. Um, there, that is uh, linking into a lot of things that we're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's a, a little dolphin, right? That it's mm -hmm. maybe 20 or so left, they think. Uh, and what we're really interested in that is we think that it may be overlapping mm -hmm. uh, with white sharks. That's uh, some other type of predators, right? That might be in there. So there's marine protected areas, there's reserves but how does it all kind of come together, right? We think that white sharks may be giving birth in the Sea of Cortez. So, you know, it's a, 
you got the vaquita, you've got the white sharks, both, you know, species of concerned endangered, right? So um, how do you protect both of them at the same time? You know, it's tough. I don't know, but let's go back on something else that you mentioned, because I think it it is so connected and something that much of this country is experiencing right now, and that's climate change. Mm -hmm. So for creatures that have been around for almost half a billion years, how are they adapting and what are they doing because of the climate change that humans have created? Right. Um, one of the things that they do is that they, uh, they look for new habitats, right, that are suitable for them, um, whether it be feeding, reproducing, or an area where they give birth so their young can, can grow up um, to become, you know, bigger sharks. And so that's a lot that was going on. They're, they're moving and they're finding new areas and they're shifting their distributions. And so it's really important to figure out and sort of understand where those distributions might be shifting to. And that's where, you know, some of the technologies, the birth tag, you know, these underwater ultrasounds um, and their development has been crucial to that. And I wish I could take credit for it, you know, all of it myself, but it's a huge team I work with. Um, you know, with, you know, we mentioned Neo and, um, we have, you know, the medical group, yeah, medical that does all the ultrasound stuff and low tech, which does the birth tag and without their help, couldn't do it. Then you've got discovery, right. That's helping support this work, you know, and help funding this work and getting it out there on this stage. So, um, you know, shark week has done an amazing job of, of helping us sort of put all these pieces together to, to get this word out. Well, let's talk for a moment about your specific documentary with the fabulous title of Mother Sharker, and that will be on Tuesday, July 13th at 8 p.m. on the network. Um, so watching it and just the notion that you're going to plant an intrauterine device in a shark, it, it sounds like the beginning of, of a bad horror movie. So tell, know, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. tell me how this idea came about. So that's a great question. One of the, and again, I wish you could take full credit for it, you know, but this sort of idea was developed for land mammals, you know, tracking boar, elk, uh, and where those animals gave birth. Um, and so it had a little bit different name. Mm -hmm. This was, um, was actually it was the vaginal implant tag. And so this was sort of implanted in a female. She carried around, and then when she gave birth, it'd pop out, and then they would track it with a, you know, a radio transmitter and find out where these areas were so for invasive species that might be in an area um they could come and kind of take those species out or for an animal that is endangered and needs protection they can help protect that area better and so we took that concept and just waterproofed it basically um to get it inside of a shark and sharks are and are interesting in that you know their uterus is sort of like a a muscular sac uh, and at both ends are these sort of sphincters, or these muscles. Um, and it's uh, a fluid environment in that, you know, it's got seawater in there. It's got the babies in there. It's kind of sloshing around. They, they flush it to keep it clean and do all this great stuff. So by putting an inert object in there that, that's literally the size of an egg, no sharp objects, just sits there. Um, we felt that, you know, it gives us the best chance to really understand uh, and push our understanding of reproductive biology to the next sort of level. And so far, it's, it's um, you know, giving us the answers that, that we want.
Now, when did you do this? So we've been developing this tag for probably the last three years. So it's been in a long sort of process. Um, that's complicated um, in that, you know, it's got, it's a little computer in there. Mm-hmm. And so when it's wet, it's, it's, it's on, but it's off. And then when it pops out and it floats to the surface, it senses that it's dry. And so it comes on, you know, and transmits the location. So there's all these kind of working parts in there and you got to get into, into mom. So um, we were able to do this um, and have this shark carry it, you know, um, for like five months, which is just incredible to us. Um, and so it gives us sort of the, the, you know, the momentum for other species. And this is sort of where we're, we're taking this. So, but how long ago did you do this? When was this? So we, we have, we filmed in March for the, for this, for the show. Yeah. And so all these things kind of progressed over this, over this time period and discovery had kind of found out that we had been doing this and we're super interested in it. And we had actually done the experiment a year before um, and had gotten an amazing results. And so that was sort of the impetus for discovery. Like, oh my gosh, we have to show this, you know, to get people aware of what's going on. So you had all, you and a team had already done this and then went back out again in March to do it for Mother Sharker. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. So yet um, Neil and I went out um, and uh, found a, an amazing female who was pregnant. Uh, incredible. And I mean, you saw the ultrasound images. It's so spectacular to see the little baby sharks, you know, moving their mouths and all this. It's just such an amazing and beautiful thing to see, you know, put the tag inside of her. And, um, you know, five months later, she gave birth into a area, which we have known to be a potential nursery ground for the, for the species. And so it's sort of confirmed um, some of the earlier data that was out there um, that was conducted by survey. So basically you have to go out and catch sharks to see if they're there or not. Um, and so we're trying to do other ways in, in order to understand where these real important events take place. And so, um, you know, a, one of the things that people don't know too is that baby sharks, they're like super mobile. They're, they don't need to be pushed around a little stroller. They are like out and ready to go. Uh, little white sharks, they can travel hundreds of miles a day. No problem. Just after being born, they're gone. See ya. Um, and so that's one of our questions. You know, do these births take place offshore and the babies move in? You know, do they take inshore? Then the babies sort of distribute away from that centralized location. Um, and so we need to figure out those things. And that's kind of where we're at with the research. And was this research all done um, in Folly? Was it Folly, North Carolina? So all of our initial capture of sharks have all taken place in the Bahamas. Is that the real nexus of, of shark life? Or it's, is a, it- you know, it's a really, it's a beautiful spot for tiger sharks. There's an area there called Tiger Beach, which is, it's a protected area. It's a marine protected area. And so all of our work has shown that, you know, it's a mixed kind of aggregation. So you got moms that are pregnant, you've got females that aren't pregnant, you've got ones that are sort of starting to mature, hanging out there. So it seems like a, almost like a female refuge. Um, so they can kind of hang out. But what we don't know is what happens to them after they leave that protected area. And so you have mom leaving an area where she's protected, you know, and carrying her baby out in the open ocean 
to areas that, you know, she could be accidentally captured by a commercial fishing gear or um, who knows, she could be, you know, uh, you know, attacked by a, a larger species. So, you know, there's all those sorts of things that we want to know where the sharks go and where they end up um, and putting all this technology together. Um, like you saw in Mother Sharker uh, is sort of the, the new direction in the evolution of, of shark science. Yeah, there's, there are a few moments in Mother Sharker where you just think, all right, can you make it out ahead of when you must? And there's a vortex of sharks swirling around you, almost, almost Sharknado-like in its intensity. Yeah. What, um, at any point do you think, well, you know, I might be leaving a limb or myself down here. What, what, what were you I was, thinking? I was, I was going through my mind all the time, you know? It was like, okay, you know, we're in a, a situation where most people who are, who are are here are sitting calmly, you know, arms in, all the, those things. I'm down there, you know, flailing around, trying to get this ultrasound going, you know, and, um, you know, it's scary. It's terrifying. You know, you've got 10, 11 foot sharks swimming around you. Uh, and it's scary during the, the day, but it's terrifying at night. So that was always in the back of my mind that something could happen, right? But you need, in order to push science, you have to, in a sense, sort of make sacrifices. You have to get over your fears. You have to push through in order to, to really help um, the science get to the next level. And that's kind of what we were thinking. So what, what was your major takeaway and what are you thrilled that you were able to get from this? Well, it was all just all around a great experience. I mean, to see the underwater ultrasound evolve like that and to work the way that it did, it's just going to open up our ability to study sharks in their natural habitats in, in ways in which we could never do it before. Um, and I think that's in a really important concept right now is that, you know, we are here in their environment. We want to make it as unaltered as possible. So when we're down there and we can just do a drive-by ultrasound, right, to see if she's pregnant or not, it can give us a really good idea of how important that, that habitat is without having to catch her or out having to disturb her uh, or stress her out in, in, in any way. Um, and those are our ultimate goals is the safety of mom um, and the safety of, of people at the same time. Yes, and that, thank you for bringing that up because that's something I did want to circle back on, which is the safety of people. Um, although we, of course, people have encroached upon their reserves. Now we have to keep the people safe as well. So what has some of your research resulted in that does help keep humans safe? Well, I think part of, a lot of it is just a better understanding of when and where sharks are at certain times of the year. Um, and also, what makes an important environment really special and important to sharks. And so if we can find out and learn more about those areas, we can see how we as human beings are interacting with that environment. I mean, people love to go to the beach, mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, splash around, play, all these great things. Um, and so when you talk about climate change and you talk about, you know, distributional changes, areas in which may not have been um, a high shark interaction area may now be that shark, you know, interaction area. And we can inform people better. Like, look, things are shifting, things are changing. Um, we know this, there are going to be large sharks here giving birth at this time of the year. You want to be extra safe, extra cautious um, 
about, you know, when you go into their environment to enjoy um, the beach. When, I mean, and I'm just about done, but I just have a couple of last questions. When did you first come face to face with a shark and when was your interest ignited about sharks? Yeah, my, my first um, face to face with a shark was like I was five years old and I was on the beach and it was a dead shark. And, um, and my mom has a, you know, a picture of it. I'm just kind of standing, hovering over it, you know, like, oh my gosh, look at this thing. Uh, and since then, I've always been really interested in marine life the ocean um and that's just carried on to to where i'm kind of at now right not only you know evolving research and pushing it sort of the next levels with the help of a great team but also as a mentor uh training the next generation of, of scientists um and i think that's full circle with arizona state and and now getting this message out there on a huge platform like discovery and shark week uh, makes that all possible well, what do you hope when people take from this as they're watching? You know, the, as you know, Shark Week is something everyone looks forward to all year. And we think we're just going to see them shooting up out of right. the ocean yeah. and everything else. But each, each documentary is different and each one gives us something. So what do you hope this one gives to viewers? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and I, I think kudos to Discovery and Shark Week for making it very sciencey, right? And a good message. And I think the things that we want people to take away is that, you know, sharks aren't this brainless eating machine, right? You know, they are very similar to us in a lot of ways. Um, you know, they, they are, they limit their apex predators because they limit sort of their, their populations by themselves. They don't reach maturity until their teens for a lot of them, like us, you know, they protect, they carry their babies um, like we do, you know, so sharks are moms. And so we, I really want to hope they see a different aspect of, of what a shark is. And I think that's gonna be really important and special to people, but also that all this new technology that we're developing and whatnot um, is it's hard and it's difficult, you know, because it's, Things don't work sometimes, and um, you go back to the drawing board, uh, and it's a process that that we're getting there. But each step of that process keeps the shark safer and keeps us safer too. James, what else would you like to add? Anything that we haven't touched on? I mean, no, this is great. This has been an awesome. I think we've hit everything that um, I was hoping to to hit on for sure. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, and I just want to remind everyone, Mother Sharker on Discovery on Tuesday, July 13th at 8 p.m. Thank you so much, Dr. Sulikowski from ASU.